You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. listening. I yet again thank you for uh, being here and for listening, and I hope everyone has been enjoying their time on earth. As difficult as that has been lately, it still gives me a lot of hope and a lot of encouragement to see everybody going out, being able to continue enjoying living, enjoying their time on earth, kind of getting out from under the ominous shade of all the stressful and overtly, I guess, negative things that have been going on. Our ballots got turned in yesterday, and I hope everyone else has been compelled to be proactive and do the same. Uh, The voter suppression clearly shows the value of the vote, even with the fuckery of the electoral college. It proves that those votes matter and that for a certain party agenda, that keeping those votes from being counted is very important. Proofs in the pudding. Enough said. To all those disenfranchised and disillusioned who don't want to vote, I see you. I get it. Both of our options frankly suck, but... uh, If I'm given the option to eat 10 pounds of shit or 5 pounds of shit, although I don't want to eat shit, I'm going to choose to eat less shit so that I'm less sick to my stomach and I feel less horrible, even though I'll still feel a little horrible, so that I can get back on, you know, to the whole life thing, to living, to loving, to experiencing. Because in this thing called life, we all eat shit no matter what. Whether it's regularly because of our choices or circumstances or a combination thereof. Or just occasionally because that's life and randomness, uh, I guess, stings us as much as it blesses us. And at this moment, if you're one of those people saying, this is supposed to be a music podcast, you should stick to music. Keep those comments about, you know, society and politics out of it stay in your lane to those people i would respectfully like to say shut the fuck up (laughs) why because art all art is the expression of the human experience and the emotions that come with it and politics is the interface of the human experience and how it plays out within the faculties and agencies of society as we know it, which is different everywhere. So those things are not mutually exclusive. Actually, they're inextricably linked. 
So if you are saying that, not only are you wrong, but you might as well just sign off now. Thank you for your time. If you don't like what I'm speaking about, see ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. And if you happen to be somebody who thinks they can respectfully or kindly support this demigod of racism, anti-intellectualism, and all the other insidious American values that have driven this country far more than what we like to portray, I also bid you adieu. I'm not particularly fired up or anything. It's just uh, my duty to decorate the Musicians Guild and, you know, create an interior design that represents who I am. And I respect your right to, you know, not hang out in here if you don't like the way it's looking. These thoughts that I've shared so far, these things that I've said, they are the paintings on the wall. They are the decorum. This is the aesthetic. So you better watch your back, fish. Squirrel Master's not going to be there every time you need him. <laughs> anyway, that's enough of that. I just got a nice regular morning text from my dear friend, Vinny Caruana. Uh, he often sends me a picture of his breakfast. I love seeing it. We always talk about food. This morning, he's enjoying... A wonderful New York bagel with what looks like egg, bacon, cheese, and avocado. So he sent me a video of that nice brekkie bagel. And then the camera pans out his window in Greenpoint. Show a nice little cityscape of his little slice of Brooklyn. Thanks for that, Vin. Anyone else that feels compelled to... Email into the pod, send a picture of your breakfast or any of your meals. I encourage you to do so. I think uh, how people eat and what they choose to eat, not only a fascinating representation of cultures as a whole, but microcultures within certain regions and areas. All that stuff fascinates me. So you can send that stuff to musiciansguildpod at gmail.com should you be compelled to do so. Um, I was recently a guest on a podcast called Food on Tour, hosted by a wonderful guy named Mike. Shout out, Mike. Um, he usually has guests who are touring musicians like myself, or were, I should say, uh, choose a city or an establishment. But I chose to speak about French fries because not only is it an important food to touring musicians, but to anyone who travels no matter how you travel, you will eat French fries and you will find them everywhere on earth now. So I highly recommend you checking out that podcast. Even if it's not my episode, he has a lot of great episodes with lots of different cool musicians. Shout out to Dewey from Peer Pleasure Pod. I really appreciate you having me on as a guest a few months ago and you offering your encouraging words and your help. I really appreciate that. I really just in general appreciate all my friends and peers and everyone who's been listening because, again, I know I've said this and I'm going to keep saying this because it's part of my deal now. I really appreciate you all. Thank you. It's so much more than I could have ever expected 
or that I even deserve. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. Well, my guest today is wonderfully talented vocalist by the name of Cam Franklin. She fronts a band called The Suffers from Houston, Texas. Cam is someone I identify with because she is also someone that essentially steps outside of her own cultural experience to go into these different realms of things that she likes and bridges the gap between all these worlds. She came up singing in the churches of Houston, Texas, honing those gospel chops. Like many of us, she later got into punk, started going to shows, essentially creating a very windy and interesting and enriching uh, musical story for herself. The kind of story that, when it has a good foundation, uh, keeps, keeps on going as we keep on living. Aside from respecting her as an enormously talented musician, I also respect her as an amazing performer. Uh, she has the mind, the voice, and the stage presence of a whole group of people within one human being. Even in venues such as NPR Tiny Desk Concerts, her power and energy as a lead singer is so evident. And I encourage you to watch The Suffers on uh, NPR Tiny Desk as it's a great representation of that energy because it's normally a setting in which all the artists coming on are are purposely kind of bringing it down to this subdued, mellow level. And although The Suffers do that in that performance, um, Cam's energy is still just jumping out at you. I love talking with Cam. She constantly, uh, without even trying, is saying things that anyone could drop a mic after. Um, she has a, a grace and this calm, resolute quality to you know, how she speaks about so many difficult experiences that she's had to go through. And I don't know how else to describe uh, her energy other than powerful. She's just a powerful human being, a powerful musician, and um, I really value getting to converse with her, and I really value uh, everyone else getting to hear some of the things that we talk about. So without further ado, uh, here's my conversation with the extremely talented Cam Franklin. Oh, and if you're listening with your kids, I'm sorry I said shit and fuck so much. So, um, yeah, thanks again for being here, Cam. I really appreciate it. Of especially course. since we had to reschedule after last week. But you being the fine, kind human being that you are, you made time for me again, so thank you. I really appreciate it. Hey, any anything I can do to be of service, I am happy happy to help. I understand the the technical grace that needs to be allowed. So <laughs> here we are. Uh, I appreciate your understanding of that. Um, how are you? I'm good. It's just it, you know, <laughs> it's pandemic 2020. 
everything being just wild as hell 2020. Um, but, you know, I can't complain at all. Like, I'm having a good day. I'm working. I'm uh, continuing to create and finishing up a record with my band and uh, starting a bunch of other projects in the same vein and just really taking advantage of this time uh, to create as much as possible, you know, I don't, I don't know what's gonna, what things are gonna be like a year from now. So, like, you know, hopefully I'm back on the road. But if I'm not on the road, you know, okay, great, we'll have a record, another record, or a few records. I don't know, in the can, and um, continue on this this path of creativity and letting it all flow out. Um, this is a new Suffers record you guys are finishing up? Yes, we're finishing up uh, our third Suffers record. It should be out sometime next year. So I'm I'm very happy about it. It's, it's just been a lot of work, especially trying to finish uh, during a quarantine, global pandemic. But, uh, you know, yeah. we, we have been through... <laughs> we've been through the the ringer a few times you know so i'm just like okay another thing okay this is fine are you guys taking turns at a studio or is everybody tracking themselves individually or how are you guys putting it together or adjusting so i would say that we we just narrowed this this project down to 13 songs started out with like 70 songs like it's been a 17 uh, or seven zero seven zero so you know the rest of the world is learning (laughs) the rest of the world is learning that black trauma is a thing as if it's something new but uh i decided to you know spend 2019 letting out a lot of my just everything via song and I, I i felt like i really hadn't been in a position uh prior to this where i had i had been able and not not as if like oh i hadn't been allowed to present songs but i just feel like there was a lot of growth that had to happen within me and a lot of uh just growing that had to happen uh as a musician so that i would feel confident enough to not only just go for it and try and co-write with people outside of the band but to you know feel vulnerable enough to share so many different sides of myself and so much of what i was going through and a lot of that music is applicable to what's happening right now but I, I sat out to create stuff with my, not only with my band and these writers, but stuff that was timeless. I know a lot of people probably seek out to do that, but like, you know, it, it really takes work sometimes to be honest, but not like, you know, date your writing with what's happening <laughs> right now, you know? And um, I, I feel like we accomplished accomplished that, but uh, this, this period has been a mix of... Um, pre-COVID recordings that we had done as a unit. And once uh, our our touring and stuff got shut down in in March, we made a plan to go in and record individually um, once things got a little bit lighter with the the cases in Houston. And we did um, drums, uh, drums, keys, and me at once. And then we did everybody else individually, except for horns that came. Uh, the two of them did their parts together. And then I did a shit ton of background vocals <laughs> uh, by myself. A lot of them, uh, 
uh, at home, some of them um, with one, you know, with one of the engineers that had been helping us previously. But this has also been a time. This has been a time for me as a as a songwriter but also as a first-time executive producer, what's up, uh, to really just dive into the type of um, record that I want to, to represent us. And in addition to that, it's been about like just getting really, really weird and encouraging myself to keep pushing forward through like some of these ideas that might be a little non-conventional. But I've gotten a lot of uh, inspiration this summer from afar. But uh, the two that I would probably say have inspired me the most um, have been just tiny little interviews from uh, like Bjork at the end of the summer. Uh, she did a a project with a bunch of artists from Iceland and she talked about how yeah. she had hired everyone and they were all local musicians and how it was a, uh, a bunch of different people playing music that she wrote, that she produced and she went out of her way to mention that she was a, a female producer. But then this morning on Instagram, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, a fan of uh, Jacob Collier and we've had the, the honor of getting to share bill with him a few times over the years. Uh, but hearing him talk this morning about uh, how the lack of female producers that he feels are out there um, isn't because we're, we're not out there, but that because we haven't been ac been able to access a lot of the same production stuff that a lot of our male counterparts have. And he said it, a lot of times you go into a studio and it's just automatically assumed that the women are there to sing and that the men are there to produce. And, you know, <laughs> I felt him so deeply in that moment because this year in 2020 was the first time that I have ever, ever in my life owned a pedal, you know, <laughs> like I've never That's owned a, a pedal. Moment. I, it, it was a big moment, but I realized I had never had anyone show me how to use one. And a lot of the, the guys that I had spoken to, they're like, Oh, I, I learned on my own or whatever. You know, I bought this on my own. And I was like, I, it was, I just never even knew what it was. I didn't know that was an option. And it's like, no, 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 no. Music mentorship comes from the, well, have you tried? You should try. Have you considered? And it also comes right. from exploration. And I had gone through so many experiences over the years where I couldn't, I couldn't fuck around with my vocality and get weird with it until post-production. And do you know why that was the case? It was because there was always a producer telling me, we'll explore that later. We'll explore that yeah. later. And that's that's not any particular producer. A lot of engineers are like that. You go to a concert, if you're if you're performing, God forbid you ask for reverb before soundcheck has concluded. <laughs> you know, you'll have a lot of monitor engineers that'll look at you like you're some kind of fucking diva, Mariah Carey or some shit. Meanwhile, if I were to show up with a with a pedal where I could control my own reverb, they'd look you'd look like an asshole. Oh, the venue has reverb, but it's like, you know, you have to discern whatever your creative control is early and what it is that you're trying to convey. And, you know, I've spent this year in solitude for the most part. You know, I feel weird, probably like maybe you feel this way, still following directions <laughs> for the most part of like staying home and shit. But, you know, no judgment or anything to anybody. But I'm just like, well, shit, if I can't tour and 
I'm supposed to be home. Like, we got to at least make this shit interesting. And so, you know, I've had the opportunity over the years to either um, work with certain brands or, or, or artists that, you know, have, have dived into the ins and outs of all this shit, yourself included. And so, you know, if I've, if I've had any questions, you know, I've been able to kind of just go on YouTube and look it all up as I've been on this. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm in college right now, but at home and like, I'm in like boss VE 20 class and like learning the basics of, you know, just how all of my sound works. But it's something that I, I feel like we all should have to, to kind of go through and not, not in a yeah. way that's um, forced or where you're made to feel like an idiot, but more so in a, Hey, let's treat this music thing. Like it might actually be a real job one day. And, Right. <laughs> you know, not only offer it if you can go and spend money at a specialty specialty university to get that training, but like encourage artists that are, you know, have been out here doing this for a long time to give back by making that a job. I don't know. You know, like it's just it's been like a thing that's been on my mind for the last uh, few months. And just thinking about all the things that I've learned how to do over just the last six months that if I had had access to this 10 years ago, like, Oh, oh my gosh, like, wow. What, would I be at a different point in my career? Would I, would I, whatever. But I've thought you know, that so many times <laughs> at the same time, I'm like, you know what they, they say timing is everything. And so if I had gotten all this stuff, you know, whatever, sure. I would have, I've would have, done what I did but the thing is is that this time off is something that none of us could have planned and I feel like you know when we come out of this what are we going to be able to say that we learned or that we 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 um or how we grew as individuals and you know I'm coming out of this whenever that is uh knowing like I have a newfound respect for the monitor engineers that we work with and the the creative folks that we work with I know how to ask for what I what I need um and what I want in a in a more communicative way um but additionally like I know how to say hey I know I know how to do that <laughs> in case someone just automatically tries to take it away from me for whatever reason but you know it's a new yeah. day <laughs> that's great um you've already talked about so many interesting things that i would like to ask you about and unpack <laughs> so i guess uh, for the sake of like cohesiveness i'll just start with the the latest things which is that's really cool you got the the ve20 you said which is the vocal effects processor yes um, it has multiple effects in it and stuff is, yes am I, am I thinking of the right one yes yes it it's <laughs> I I am up in love with it. My um, my friend Joshua Sante had uh, an older model. I don't remember exactly which one he had, but he had two of them. And uh, I went to jam with him in Little Rock sometime last year. And you know he's going through and he's showing me how to use every single one of these pedals. And at one point, as we're working, I look at him and I'm like, I've never had a man in my life show me how to use a vocal pedal like like ever and i've known many 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 men that knew right. what i could do that owned one 
hand yeah. and he and he just looked at me and he was like well that's just unfortunate you know <laughs> and, and yeah. from there we just kind of kept working on on everything and i was and i just kind of thought to myself i was like okay you know, I also have to make sure that I'm saying like, look, I want to learn these things. I want to uh, explore all this stuff. And so uh, I got the pedal like a month and a half ago and I couldn't even mess with it for like the first two weeks because I was finishing uh, stuff up with the record. But then when I finally did get to dive into it, I was like, oh shit, this is going to like eat up hours of my time. They're so fun. Those <laughs> things are so fun. Yeah. They're like the most fun. And um, you were saying something about, you know, just being a woman and not having that same sort of, I guess, extension of willingness to help and stuff. And I've, I totally see what you mean. And thing is, is that even the guys who are mansplaining or sticking to like this sort of like chauvinistic structure within music, automatically assuming that they shouldn't waste the time explaining it to you or whatever. The funny thing <laughs> is, is that they're going through the same avenues of looking at online forums and YouTube videos and yeah. then asking their friends for help when it doesn't make sense to them because I've met just as many techno technologically challenged uh, male musicians as I have anybody, you know what I mean? And so oh, yeah. that's the whole front. <laughs> and it's like people that get it, get it. And it's just a shame that, like you were saying, like no one's ever taken the time to be like, this This is a serious musician here that needs to learn this shit, you know what I mean? And like has the desire to do something something with it, you know? I just like, I just don't like being limited ever. You know, may, get, maybe it. <laughs> maybe it's coming up in, in punk rock. I don't I don't I don't know, but you know, I really hate being told that I can't do something when I know it's a very small ask. You know, like I, I bring up the reverb thing because it was something that I would have to argue about um, nightly until I had my own sound person that I would tour with. Yeah. And, you know, some people would be like, oh, well, that's just a, a, a normal thing. And it's like, but it doesn't have to be. That's an education thing. You know, when I first started singing, before I ever got on a, stage like a like a pro stage i spent years singing at churches and at schools with like one monitor for you know a full-blown like choir and shit and so it wasn't like i was a, a needy singer it, but however being in those full situations they were catering to voices you know those situations were catering to voices and singing over 30 voices loudly is, is not the same as singing over amps and drums and, you know, PAs and all of that. And like having to explain to some of those early monitor engineers, no, buddy, I don't have to sing louder. You and I should explore yeah. what is fucking up the basic ass requirement of what a microphone is supposed to do. And <laughs> But, you know, like coming out the gate that wasn't how i was talking to them you know and i and i don't recommend anybody talking to anybody like that but it's like you know i i didn't know early on like hey we probably need a different mic or hey we probably should try a different cable or hey can yeah. you probably try bringing up my gain or why is there a compressor on me and you don't even know who i like you don't like you know just like or limiters on me like but the 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 questions that i would ask you know they would never have answers for me it was always well, yeah. because that's what it needs to be. The, or, or, or you're peaking. 
you're you're already peaking. This is our our maximum yeah. level. Like my in my mind, I'm like, how, how, like we I we haven't done anything. That aside from it being focused, uh, in a I guess, an, an exaggerated way towards you, there is something to be said for a lot of house engineers, especially who are like career house engineers that just <laughs> see new touring acts every day. They always seem to have, or sorry, many of them seem to have this petrified way of thinking and doing things and when what you want they forget that they're there to serve the show but when someone like you comes along and like you know or us comes along and has like a different idea and they are because they don't want to think about it and they just want to throw on the compressor and they don't want to have to uh, you are send something to give you <laughs> reverb in the monitors because they're just like well that's ridiculous and they're questioning that's, you and that's ridiculous yeah, it's, it's, it's totally too much but it's like if if i am requesting this for the show and you have never been to the show, you know, let's get through the first song. Like, let's get through the totally. first song. And if the song sounds awful, if, you know, if I'm complaining a bunch, like, let's talk about it. But you don't get to tell me how my how I'm supposed to sound before, you know, you, like we even show up. I want to say, I don't, I, Steve, I couldn't tell you how many shows I've played, like a couple thousand at this point, right? I can count on one hand the number of monitor engineers that have come up to me, done the whole, is this what you need? I've worked with a lot of, you know, vocalists that sound like you and they've gotten it right. <laughs> like, well, that's a good engineer. That's a good <laughs> monitor engineer that you don't hire yourself, which is just rare. Yes. Because I was going to say that you're kind and more kind and understanding than I am even to say, hey, I'll still take your opinion after we just implement what I want first. <laughs> because the way I am on my stage before we started using in-ears was like, I don't care what you think. This is how we want it. This is how we're going to get it. The only thing that's going to stop that is the physical limitations of the hardware itself. Like your <sighs> opinion and thoughts will not be imparted on our stage mix at all. <laughs> It's, it's, so, uh, it's a you. conversation that, you know, a lot of artists are taught day one, don't piss off the sound guy. They'll ruin your show. Don't put, don't yeah. piss them off. They'll ruin your show. And, you know, I think it creates this like inferiority complex instead of like leading with the idea that we're working together to put on a production like right. you are a part of this traveling production that we have put together and for us to make it as cool as possible, please listen to this instruction that we are about to give to make this look exactly and sound exactly how it did last night at a successful show that we put on, <laughs> you know? And yeah. like the, th that to me is very layman's terms, but it's like, I don't know any other way to, to do it because I I've experienced um, a very different touring experience than a lot of my peers I've learned um, just you know and we could talk about the isms until the cows come home but it's like at the end of the day all I want to do is sing these cool songs I wrote for these like people that are so gracious enough to listen to me and then go to the next city that I might not get to come back to and eat at that one place I like. 
you know, Word like, to that. like yes, that's I really, that's, yeah. you know, like that, that's, that's what I, I'm, I'm trying to really be accomplishing sometimes, but instead of getting to have like the basic ass annoyances of my white male peers, you know, I don't, I don't get to <laughs> have, and, and I say it like that and it drives some of them crazy, but it's like, until y'all have had a sound guy that you don't know, spend the entire check looking at your titties instead of giving you the reverb you asked for an hour and a half ago, y'all don't know what the yep. fuck I'm talking about. Or until you've had a sound person listen to everything you've said and then go ask one of your bandmates if like any of that I said was actually going to go down or if it was valid or necessary or until you've been kicked out of your own backstage because they thought you were someone's girlfriend or you snuck back there that you weren't you're homeless or something, you know, all kinds of things. And you know, it's, it's one of those things where like it doesn't stop me. It, Yes, there have been moments where it's like hurt my little pride a little bit, but it's like all I want to do is play my songs. <laughs> I, Dude, just... I know that's definitely shitty for you to experience, but at the same time, I'm smiling on the inside because I know that every time that happened, you went out onto that stage and you made whoever said or did those things feel stupid as hell oh yeah because as soon as the show is over they hit that, you with the that stage oh my god you're that good. talent and that power you know <laughs> it's like then they'll go oh that's who i said that to you know what i mean and it also makes me really happy now that you have your own vocal effects processing unit because that completely takes so much of that out of the equation what they're plugging into is not your voice now it's your voice treated how you want it from the get-go so that's going to be great I'm I'm very interested and maybe it's something that I just need to start practicing now before I even get on the road like just get myself yeah. that education um, is like all of us have to learn new pedals you know oh yeah all of us, for sure. oh yeah I meant like combining uh, that with my in-ears because like that's something that I haven't played with at all um, because we've been running our own in-ears for a while just because yeah. touring with a modern engineer just wasn't financially feasible and arguing with the financial excuse me arguing with a monitor engineer every night uh, just wasn't becoming mentally sustainable yeah. and so <laughs> so it's like let's let's just you know let's buy buy a console and buy buy a little situation and it's like it's not perfect however you know it gives me something else to like oh maybe when i have some free time i can just go play and turn the midas on and see how all this shit works and fuck around because i i forget you know damn i'm the part of the band that a lot of people like they don't get so as far as like okay i I can play with these voices i know how to play a few instruments pretty shitty like i can be quite entertaining if i allow myself to be (laughs) so let's learn all of these these little tricks because i feel like the more i learn the easier it's gonna make things when i go back on the road yeah i mean for it's it's that what you're gonna experience is something that's common for all musicians when we write new rx songs i use new pedals i have to integrate that new pedal into the board the first few shows of that tour that we're playing those new songs i'm hitting the pedal at the wrong time it's in a new position i'm hitting other pedals i don't need to hit and so my current tap dance on my pedal board becomes obsolete and i got a new like structure a new one so it's a it's an ongoing struggle you know what i mean it's like it, it never stops there's no point where i've ever felt like oh, I got this pedal thing on lock. Every time there's new songs with new effects, like I get that little bit of anxiety because I'm what like, preset is I, this? I know I'm going to hit the wrong thing. 
damn it. <laughs> yeah, now I haven't even thought about the the anxiety that probably comes with using it live because again, at the end of the, and you know what? call it call it cocky or call it whatever i feel like i've been waiting so damn long to use this pedal i'm like i could give a fuck if it comes out perfect or not y'all go y'all gonna see me having a little bit of fun with my toy (laughs) on stage and you know like let's get weird if if you want to hear the album the way it's supposed to be by the album like you want to come to the show like let's let me give you a show like let's take this somewhere cool and yes we will play the songs but like maybe it'll have an extension maybe it'll go on for like 45 minutes i don't fucking know but not all of the you songs just, are 45 minutes but you yeah. know some of them the you one. just described every <laughs> rx performance ever <laughs> so <you know. laughs> well y'all are a terrible influence on me as far as like well my friends uh they had like two or three drummers on stage my friends <laughs> my friends had all these sense on stage. all you have to do is just just get closer on the stage <laughs> you know and i'm so grateful to y'all for aside from just the influence that y'all gave me as far as musicality was concerned, but like as my friends and allowing me into your, your space at a, at such an early time in my career when so many people um, were just really shitty to me, you know, y'all were probably my first uh, experience with people that had been awful to me as far as my career Um finding out that we were friends and all of a sudden them being nice to me and trying to like use me, which I thought was so hilarious because I had only seen that on, on, on TV at the time. And, and, you know, being someone coming, coming from ska and then going into literally everything else, watching y'all literally be in the middle of that. um, It made it, so much easier when the suffers started uh, you know i i would explain to them i'm like look if we want to make ska forever you know cool but if we want to change our mind this first record can't have the ska genre on it like it just it just cannot have the the genre label on it and it's funny because the remnants are there the nerdiness is there the chords are there the love is there the joy is there but i was like look i've learned like these reporters will will make it so 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 hard on you because they're not going to be listening to your music they're not going to actually be reviewing your shit they're going to look at whatever the press release said and that's it that's it. That's how and, it goes 99% of the time anyway. Yeah. And unless Google has updated whatever new version of yourself that you have created, yeah. you know, it and it's not their fault completely. They're not being incentivized right now to, to write better because they're not being financially paid in a way that would ask for that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I figured that's no shock to us on the other side of the, the, the creation sphere. But um at at the same time i'm i'm just kind of like i look back on some of that stuff from from just seeing y'all grow and like having that as a reference early on to to where when we were going through our trials and tribulations it was like i had a frame of reference that was like so important for me when it came came to everything you know from from band dynamics to to just 
excesses, whatever. But like knowing, look, for us to continue doing this shit, we have to learn to communicate with one another. Because if we don't, if we don't learn how to do it, this isn't gonna be a thing. Because look at RX; they don't know how to communicate, and look how <laughs> no, <laughs> it did take us some time th- to learn so how to funny. constructively no, that, That's like the opposite sure. lesson that I took from that. It was more so y'all had the communications that y'all needed to have so that you could continue going back on the road to continue sharing this music with us. But that's, (laughs) I think that's part of being in a band that they don't tell you about is like, it's a lesson for everybody. Nobody gets it right at the jump and anybody like trying to make us think that their band is perfect or that their band doesn't fight or like whatever, like you, you're in for a world of heartbreak, you know, because it's a relationship and I, and I feel like even the, the best relationships y'all gonna get on each other's nerves. Eventually somebody gonna fart somewhere inappropriate, you know, someone, <laughs> someone's going to eat all the food or whatever. Like, I don't know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we've my, been through all that. Yeah. <laughs> my dog's but, going um, nuts. To, to speak to what you were saying, <laughs> it's an honor for me to have you say that you appreciated that presence and that support because when we recognize talent, we were so, we ourselves are such students of all music and talent everywhere that when we, uh, it was obvious like how talented you were and it, it was a thing of respecting you as a musician and it would have been such a shame if such a talented musician like yourself was held back and the amount that you have been held back and all the bullshit you've had to deal with because of the fact that you're a woman, aside from the fact that in our realm and perception, you're a very talented musician, which is basically the, the main deal. That's, that's what you are, you know? So Thank you. Thank you. I was like, oh, my I dog mean, is going nuts. <laughs> the, yes, it's, it, the, it's the truth, though. The proof's in the pudding, you know what I mean? I mean, come on, 70 songs. Seven, <laughs> zero, okay? Yeah. We're, first of all, we cannot continue without discussing this. Like, <laughs> you guys hear about bands like Pearl Jam that have 200 songs in their repertoire live at any time. <laughs> bands, on average... I mean, the most on average, there's always exceptions. Bands are maybe working up 20 songs, whittling them down to 10. RX will maybe go to 15 songs just because of the long nature. But Cam right here has just told us that they went from 7-0. I can't even fathom that. That's amazing. The creative output. I mean, 7. How? Okay, can you just answer this? How long... Like. How long did it take for you to collect seven zero songs, 70 songs? You know, not not as long as you would think. Um, That's the, even uh, more amazing then. The, well, you know, it, it goes back to the conversation that I said about Bjork and, and Jacob Collier earlier is a large part of my career, I feel like I was suppressed and and told that a lot of the stuff that I was doing was wrong or weird or like not normal, writing songs at the rate that I was writing them at. Of course they can't be good. Of course they can't, whatever. They're, you're writing too fast. You're, you know, these people didn't know that I was a former debate champion. These people didn't know that I was a former speech, like speech champion, you know, I'm a Barbara Jordan speech champion recipient, you know, like it's like they before- know now. Yeah, but it's like before uh, the music writing was was my outlet, and it wasn't a 
oh, I just got into writing. It's like, no, I've been writing since I was five. You know, I've been singing since I was five. But the thing is, it's like who determines what's a song? Who determines what is is good art and what's bad art? You know, it's I think it's just timing, money and opportunity. And, you know, when when you take all of that away from the bullshit that they tell us that you have to do to be successful in this, I think it makes it makes it so much easier <laughs> to to just create. And so in 2019, um, I was recovering from the release of the album we had before that. And, you know, it's, it's the, it's the Musicians Guild podcast. So without diving too deeply into it, you know, we all have that one record where you and your label just don't see eye to eye on anything at all. And, um, that's what it was for our second record. And while um, I'm proud of the work and I am, you know, it, it did well on a lot of R&B and jazz, jazz radio stations, I feel like a lot just got neglected and you know, a, just a, a lot of lessons came out of it. Um, but more than anything, I learned during that period of time that for me to accomplish the type of release that I felt like I deserved, I was going to have to become a better songwriter first off. Like, however I felt about myself in that moment at that time, I was like, nope, I'm going to go spend all of next year whenever I am free out working with artists that I feel or have been told are better at this than me. And so I went on the, and, and I wasn't intending for it to be these nine day trips, but like it just kept being nine days. Just that's how the, the, the cheap flights kept working out. So I was like, okay, well, I'm sure I'll find somebody to stay with here and here and here. And so I did, it started off with nine days on a cruise that my band was on. And so we did this cruise with like Babyface and Sheila E and it was all these OG like jazz and R&B artists and it was amazing. But the first night, the, well, not the first nine days, all nine days, because uh, we only performed one night of the, of the cruise, uh, my bandmate Nick and our former bandmate Pat were in this makeshift studio uh, every day that we had put in one of the rooms and we were working on songs like a assembly line. Like Pat would start a beat or I would start a beat and then send it to Nick and then Nick would send it back to Pat and then I'd add lyrics to it. And um, I, I think like three or four of the songs from that cruise are going to be on this next record, actually. Um, just ironically, I was going, I was going through some stuff. Um, but it was also the year where I finally started just instead of coming to my band with, Hey, here's an acapella, you know, and then like getting frustrated if it didn't work out because that's just not the type of writers that some of them were, I started finding other co-writers that, you know, okay, they, they could hear the arrangements that I was putting together. They could hear the the ideas that I, I was releasing. Um, and around the same time, we had our new bass player come into the band, Juliet, and it, she, she, she and I are, are really, really good at writing quickly together. Um, but once I started finding my own pace, I started just booking, okay, we're off of this, we're off a tour, Oh, nine days. All right. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go home. I'm not going to rest. I'm going to go back out. Grinding. <laughs> yeah. So I did nine days in LA, uh, nine days in New Orleans, um, Nashville, New York, Austin, 
and then I yeah, home, <laughs> and I guess the ocean counts too when we were when we were out there, um, and <laughs> all the songs that came from that period of time over over a year, some some with others, some alone, some with the band. You know, we we brought them back all together, and that's how we got to the seventy and. Um, <laughs> at the end of last 70. year, I know at the end of last year, uh, we decided which songs we're going to get that treatment and, um, narrowed it down to 25 and spent the, the rest of the year cleaning up, uh, and, and really finishing up some of the songs that we'd, we'd just been sitting on for however long we'd been sitting on them. So I have to ask, was the process... And I don't know your particular band dynamics, yeah. uh, whether it's a full-on evenly spread democracy or there's the core of the songwriters who make these decisions. But regardless of all that, was the consensus, uh, was there a lot of deliberation or did it go from 70 to that first 25 relatively easily? Did it go from 25 to 13 easily or was that more difficult? Like, uh, what, How kind of did that, that play out? Ah, uh, yeah. You know, Steve... <laughs> I get told all the time by my OG artist friends that we are so stupid for how we have laid out our band in this super uh, democratic way. Everything takes too fucking long. And yeah, yeah, everything takes a really long fucking time. But you know what? But you you know what? You know what, Steve? Even though shit takes a long time, once we decide because of how we are laid out right now, we're pretty close to being done once we decide, you know? Like, that's the joys of being an independent artist. Um, That being said, though, it took a while, you know? Like, I want to say there was was a month earlier this year where I was starting to get... Like, thankfully, it was before COVID because I probably would have lost my damn mind, but I was just like... (laughs) we have to go through these songs. Um, but when, when we really started first working on everything, it was more so, a, okay, I've listened to all these songs. I've had my hand in all these songs. I, I, I stepped up and I was like, look, I see a vision. I really do believe what this can be. And these are the songs that I feel are like ready to like heavily work on. These are the songs that I feel like with a little bit of grease, we can really get some stuff done. If you want to do any other songs, I think we, st- I think the 25 was like the cutoff. And I think of the songs I, I had suggested, I think it was like 11 or something. I was like, these are the ones I feel are the strongest. I think y'all might agree. If there's any song that's not on here that we're missing, yo, add it. And then we could talk about it next week. And I've learned that in de- democratic situations, if you really want your shit done, you can't like be like, oh, you got to listen to 70 songs by next week or you got to listen to 70 right. songs. No, it was like, look, we're going to ha- we're going to have a band meeting every week. So we would talk about like maybe five or 10 songs, but it would be like over the course of like two weeks. Did you did you listen to those? Did you like those? No, but yo, this one was really good. OK, great. Or yeah, I loved all of them. This is going to be really hard to pick songs. OK, great. You know, and then it would just became like a pile and. After that, it was, okay, well, what's what's the next step step here? All right, well, there's certain songs that we really love the ideas to, but we're not finished with the song. Okay, 
well, let's see what's achievable right now. And if it's one of those songs where it's like, yo, Kim, we can't finish this remotely. It's just not working. Okay, great. Let's save it for the next record. So right now, we're about to, re- you know, not re- we're not about to release. We're still, re- we're still in editing. I'm, I can't wait to send it off to mixing, bro. I can't wait. But um, we're we're in editing right now, and you know, as soon as it goes off to mixing, I told myself I'll dive into the next batch of songs. But like, I'm not letting myself into the the batch for like I guess what would be the f- album four until this one's done done because I I can't do that to my brain. Um, but <laughs> It's it's been such a fun process, um, not only to like really prove our our range as a band because I, <laughs> the last record really had me thinking. I was like, these motherfuckers really got me all the way fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> just just certain shit went down. But I was like, I can tell you didn't listen to my motherfucking record. Like, you know, that kind of shit. But it's like, damn, let me let me dust this shit off. I'm going to write the record of my life and y'all ain't going to fuck with me no more. Fuck. Fuck. Yo. I love that energy. <laughs> I love that energy. Seriously. But it, it has um, to be like that. It has to be like that, Steve. I, I went to a party last, not last week. Oh, my God. Last August. Um, and Post of, or pre-COVID August. And um, Chappelle was in Houston for a few weeks and he was doing uh, these pop-up shows at House of Blues every night. And so I got to go to one of the shows and um, some of my favorite artists that have come out of the H were there and they're old friends with him. And so it's like Bun B and Willie D from Ghetto Boys and, and, uh, and Paul Wall and this, this upcoming rapper, uh, Toby Nwigwe. And, you know, I, I'm like, again, like how my life has just been rolling. Like one of the few women there. Um, and at one point we're all at a table and they're telling Dave about my, my music and Paul and Bun were both on the record that got shitted on. And they're like, she's just, they just doing something different, man. And it's like, it just, it'll make you feel so, you know, like giving them the whole spiel. And I'm just like, wow, never in my wildest dreams could you have ever told me that Willie D and Bun and Paul Wall would be selling the suffers to Dave Chappelle. So So the next, the next night, um, I end up back in the 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 green room and he's like, yeah, uh, me and Mo. Mo Amer is this uh, comedian from Houston who um, opens for Dave a lot, but is also on uh, that show Rami. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but anyway, he's amazing. And um, him and him and Dave are really good friends. And he, <laughs> Dave goes, me and Mo were riding around town and we were listening to your records. And he's like, girl. The record, like, your music's amazing. He's like, my only advice is that you need to be more honest. And so I was like, thank you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And so, you know, I feel like it really lit a fire, not only the way I was creating, but really just the way I was approaching a lot of shit in the industry. And I never want to become one of these people that's like, oh, man, woe is me. Oh, you know, all these people have done this. Yes, I've been through a lot of shit. Yes, we've all been through. You, you got to go through something to to survive in this. However, I have put so much focus into making sure, like, look, I don't want the next me or the next you to go through the same bullshit that we had to go through just to hang, yeah. you know? like, And, and there there's a lot of growth that needs to happen and I know it's not going to be a 
uh, a today or tomorrow fix. But it's like, I also know that if I'm not holding these people accountable in the moments that these things are happening to me, or if I'm not going back afterwards and like checking them, if it's really having these dramatic effects on me and on my career, you know, I am basically making it easy for them to do this shit again. And, you know, sometimes people don't hear you when you say, hey, that shit hurt my feelings or hey, that shit wasn't cool or hey, that was disrespectful or this money is disrespectful. You know, (laughs) it's like, but, but it's on us to at least speak up and try and, and say something is off. Um, I've had a lot of my money affected over the years because I have mentioned the fact that there weren't black folks or brown folks at these festivals and how strange it was to be the only ones showing up everywhere or, you know, to be like, Hey, how come we're never on the same day as Alabama Shakes or Leon Bridges or Chicano Batman at these festivals? Like we're always spread out. Meanwhile, you'll have like 50 uh, indie white boys with their skinny jeans and the same guitar (laughs) amp setup. Ain't nobody saying shit, you know? And it's, and it's like, People are like, oh, Cam, you're, you're a hater. We've all had to go the same path. And I'm like, have we all had to go the same? We, we oh, all they did. They love to say that. Yeah. We all did. We all had the same opportunities. Really? Yeah. Okay. I well, wish you guys could see the face that Cam is making because <laughs> it's the face that I make and that many of us make, which is like, have you really? But you know Do what? you get it? You, you have to say something. This summer, I and I say this summer specifically because... I feel like a lot of people have fallen off their uh, their activism uh, uh, <laughs> exercise regimen that they were on at the beginning <laughs> of June, and you know it, it was so nice for one moment to to feel like I mattered and 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 for one moment for you know a lot of the shit that has been affecting um, my life and my career and my community to be seen as something not okay um (laughs) not only in 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 the way that we're treated but in the way that we're represented you know and I, i i i bring this up because i feel like people feel like oh they'll they'll see one black person uh in a in a movie or in a band or they'll see one asian person or one hispanic person and they'll be like yeah. inclusivity uh representation and you know i i was i was researching yesterday i've i've been you know we were talking about learning all this new stuff i bought a new camera at the beginning of the summer and i was researching uh all this stuff and all these directors doing this stuff that um like what what make what makes their stuff theirs their art theirs right and so i ended up on this wes anderson wormhole and uh, i love wes anderson's aesthetic so much and this has nothing to do um with him but it also has everything to do with him um being a white man that grew up in in houston texas uh but one of the most culturally diverse cities in the (laughs) the country it really is um, which is why i love eating there who who has no 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 black no 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 black folks in in his his films like maybe one black man here and there um and it it was being celebrated that he's about to have his first east asian person in his next film and i and i'm looking and so i i googled i was like black women in wes anderson films and (laughs) 
is so terrible. A thread popped up on on Twitter and it said a thread of all the black women in Wes Anderson films. And I got so excited. I was like, oh, let me go look. And it was just like a meme uh, with like lips. <laughs> like that's all it is like and they, and it, they were like you really thought you were about to get something nice didn't you um this is like again no not not shitting on him and i'm really just using him as an example um and if no, y'all see right, me though. if y'all see me someday in a wes anderson film y'all, y'all just better let let a bitch dream i just want to be in that color palette shit but i'm learning damn i'm gonna have to make my own color palette art nouveau okay shit here i come <laughs> I think you would fit very well into that quirky, uh, cute world that Wes Anderson creates. I love him too. Uh, we copied Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel for the Musicians Guild logo. So like, <laughs> I'm with you. But yeah, that shit's funny. Like, you know, he has like that one actor, that older, I think he's Indian or, or something. Yeah. Guy. You know, he plays Pagoda and Royal Tenenbaums. They he's have very him fine. just do quirky, weird shit, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, never like real dialogue. It's just stuff that people repeat. You know, and just like, so, you know, we stay again, the hell. we're not shitting on West, but it is what it is. You know what I mean? Look, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to show up in my fur coat with my joints that I've been smoking since I was 14. I could play a ton and bomb. That's all I'm saying. But <laughs> you could. Hell yeah. But I, I'm learning. I'm going to have to be my own Royal ton and bomb. <laughs> this yeah. is probably not going to happen, but that's okay. Cause, uh, I will say in my my research last night, I learned that when West was first launching, people thought his shit was weird and they thought that everything that he was applying made no sense. And I feel like I took a lot from this evening of, you know, again, wondering where the representation was. But I was like, you know what, if I ain't going to get a representation, I'm going to learn. I'm going to appropriate these camera angles once I figure out how to use all my settings. That's why you're a powerful human being. I mean, that's uh, it's like like consumer capitalism has created all these creative products like recording and video and movie making for like the weekend warriors just to sell stuff. But what it does is create this massive benefit for us serious lifetime full-time artists for us to take more control of what we create, you know? Yeah. And I love it. I, I personally don't have the energy like even though I have an interest in filmmaking and stuff, but for you, if you do, like I can't wait to see what you make. That's awesome. You know? <laughs> I I mean That's I honestly it. didn't know I did um, until I just didn't. I wasn't happy with how I was seeing myself portrayed in a lot of stuff, and so legit. And and you know how do you fix that by creating that, <laughs> creating what you want to see, being the change you want to see, and so. Um, I, I'm I'm figuring it out, and the the cool thing that I think I've taken from all of this is that when it is time for us to come back, I now know like, yo, I don't have to do everything. I don't have to be the one there holding the camera with my mic and trying to like selfie and shit. But it's like I can at least know how to ask for what I need a lot better. You are gonna need to write on your set list which pedal settings you're gonna need to hit, like I do too sometimes. Oh, like buddy, mark it out, you know, shit. You Thank you. I didn't even think about that. I forgot we're going to have to actually play play sets longer than an hour in the future (laughs) or longer than three songs. Like that's the average set right now is like three to five songs, 30 minutes. 30 minutes is a long time for people to sit in front of their computer um, and see the same thing. So it's 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 been a weird thing. But (laughs) we out here. Um, Do you miss the road yet? Do you miss touring yet? 
I missed the road immediately. (laughs) Immediately. You got the bug. Yeah, you got it then. I mean, like, it's, it's, I, yes, I'm glad I'm home. And yes, I'm glad uh, that I've had the experiences that I've had the last few months. Um, But I miss, I miss singing. I miss meeting people. I miss, um, being in cooler temperatures when it's hot as fuck in Texas. And I yeah, miss, <laughs> I miss going around the world and, and eating like just beyond, you know, and not, not, and I'm, again, I am so lucky to be home because I'm in such an incredible food city, but like te- Texas is, is going to Texas. And, you know, I can only feel so safe when I'm when I'm home for for long, 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 long periods of time. I know that I'm in a democratic bubble here in Houston, and I know that uh, it won't always be like this. But like, I literally just want to go to a fucking dispensary and like be unbothered while I'm making this music. If I have to stay home for another year, like staying home, like you know, these virus, these cases are going back up. So it's like, if we're going to have to keep doing it like this, like legalize for real, stop fucking playing with me. They're politicking so hard because uh, Texas is known and they, they tout that this is the state you come to exercise your freedoms as an American. And the fact that that isn't legalized yet, that's, it's inevitable. That's not politicking. Then I don't know what it is. It's inevitable. It's inevitable. The weed is going to be the next great American commodity. Just like, uh, oil and and uh, yes. cotton and sugar, whatever the hell else is here. It's like the only reason that they are treating weed the way that they are is because they haven't figured out a way to make as much money off of it as possible. And it's going to take all kinds of conversation to talk about who's going to get the money. Yeah. Well, you said it, Cam. I mean, another thing they're trying to figure out is how to, uh, I guess, monetize it and structure the that giant cash crop that cannabis is to fit into that whole systemic racism that all of the country's wealth has been based upon since the inception of this country. And that's not a matter of opinion. That's a matter of widely verified historical fact. No, you are, you are a thousand percent correct. And it's, it's inevitable. And anyone that doesn't think it is, you know, don't be so shocked when <laughs> when your friends are like, what pre-roll do you want me to bring to the party? You know, and you're in the middle of like Nebraska, like it's coming. So, yeah, because <laughs> it's nice for touring musicians to not have to smoke some weird seated brown bricked up <laughs> uh, what was what was once plant matter when they're in Nebraska. <laughs> Dog. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, I I have not been blessed by the Nebraska weed situation just yet. But shout out to whoever gave you that algae to smoke. <laughs> <laughs> I think like uh, anything that humans make, there's there's good and bad everywhere. But uh, there are places that unfortunately just don't have that same access that you know metropolitan areas like Houston or you know Southern California have. So I will tell you. Yeah. Last year was a, um, I will say it, it was the year of marijuana having a great and positive effect on the sufferers as far as their just overall well-being. But nice. the best weed I had of the entire tour was in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Hey, good growers <laughs> can do it anywhere, you know? I was like, wait, how? How? They're like Reddit. 
I went online, checked out the forum, and I learned. You know? Yo, I the the <laughs> my drummer always makes fun of me when I when he tells the story. But we were walking on walking down the street downtown Sheboygan, small ass town, probably as small as you think it is, and I walk past this lady after we get done performing. I was like, look. I looked at her. She was the only black person I'd seen that whole day. It's like, ma'am. And she looked at me. She goes, oh, you sang so beautifully. And I looked at her. I was like, sis, can you can you tell me where the weed man or lady is? <laughs> and she goes, are you serious? I said, it's an emergency. And she said, hold on one second. And she texted her friend. <laughs> Boom. It's go. an emergency. Hey. And it was. That's legit. It was about to be the 4th of July. <laughs> Do you that have any um, pre-show routines, post-show routines? I've always wanted to ask you that. Um Curious. Definitely pre my pre-show my pre-show routine is immediately getting out of the van and wa- walking just as far as I can walk before I've <laughs> noticed that like I'm probably a little bit too far from the venue because like sometimes you just need to like pretend like you're not on someone else's schedule and being uh, in a band this big, you know, you're you're really dependent on the schedule of so many people, especially if you're in a larger touring party. And sometimes you just need to feel like you're not, you know, a fucking sheep. <laughs> and so I'll go and I'll walk around and I try to find coffee and hopefully if I have some weed on me, get that little uh, sound check pre-smoke happening so that I can show up oh, with yeah. a good attitude uh, to oh, yeah. sound check. Um, you guys, are you guys 11 deep right now? No. Um, if Well, if we're touring, sometimes it gets that high. Um, but the band itself is seven full time and then we'll tour with the keyboardist. But we gotcha. started off as 10. And so is that regular? Like if you go on a four-week tour, pretty much every day when you arrive for load-in, you'll just go for a stroll immediately? I'll go for a stroll. I'll just disappear. I'm usually pretty cool. quiet if it's a show day just because I need I need all of it. I need all my voice. Um, and until Jules was in the band uh, and before our sound woman was on the road with us, I was the only woman on the road for a long time. And so I just... I. I would need to get that estrogen wherever I could get it. So like go get my nails did if I had a, enough time that like that that mm-hmm. one venue that you knew just you show up with your whole rig and they're like uh uh you know okay look great let me go <laughs> let me go and like get my life real quick while y'all figure this out for the next 4 hours and um for real. Yeah, that's real but, actually. Very real. I mean but but that's what it would be but um it would allow me to have that moment to just kind of heal myself. Um, when we were getting closer to COVID, I think all of us were getting a lot more active, thankfully. <laughs> you know, you kind of, I, I don't want to say this about everybody's band because I know everybody is different, but like you kind of go through those periods where the majority of bands kind of healthy that year. The majority of the bands kind of whatever that year. But it's like, at the beginning of the year, I want to say everybody was kind of just figuring out their new act- activity thing, and I was figuring out mine. Um, and so I know now, like, okay, when it's time for me to go back on the road, I'm probably going to be roller roller skating all the time. <laughs> oh, that's cool. 
That's yeah. Cool. Yeah, I always take my bike and a skateboard on tour, you know, just to have it's, that mobility. Yeah. It's refreshing to have that that freedom. And, you know, when we first started, there was absolutely no way I could have brought anything extra, but this, you know, we had finally gotten to a place where we had had a bigger trailer and we were able to do more. It's like more more work, more load in, but you know, you you earn you got to earn that bike space, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, it's true. You know, you integrate your wellness. You know, when we first started touring, we treated ourselves like utter shit. And as you realize that you want to not just do this for a year or two, but you're going to have to do this for an extended period of time, you start working it in. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes sense. It's it's um, a lot. <laughs> what about post-show routine? Like, you literally walk off stage, you're still sweating, you pull your left in-ear out, you walk into the dressing room. What What's your post-show routine? Uh, post-show routine... Um I usually have to wash my face immediately if I've if I've been dumb and I've left my contacts in my eyes on a night where I like I have a bunch of glitter on my face. All the glitter is now in my eyes. So then I have to find like oh. it's like it's like a just it's just chaos for like five minutes. Um, my ideal situation is to have like if it's a post show, six puffs of a joint Um I try to get my my leg stretching on because I'm I'm pretty nuts during our shows, and then uh, I try to make my way to merch if that's an option. So, um, smart business move. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know I know every band is different, you know, and and every tour is different. Like certain tours, we're not really able to sell merch like that, especially for the opener uh, until it's the end. And so, um, it really just depends. I love I love opening. Because <laughs> that means we're done at like eight o'clock. Yeah, that and is so, nice for that reason. Yeah, especially when you're touring internationally. If you're not headlining, it's nice because you get to play and then just hang out. But speaking of your merch move, every, every band, like a lot of bands, myself included, we don't do it. But everybody uh -huh. knows you're going to sell the most merch if the lead singer or the band goes to merch after the show to talk to people and hang out yes. and stuff you know yes so. this is true yeah and, and sometimes you don't want to sometimes you don't want to but um to anybody you know that might be listening that's feeling like oh i don't need to go to the merch table or whatever it's like honestly until you're at a place where i think it's a matter of like safety or you know it's it's on a, on a I would say probably that, you know, you should definitely try to be out there selling your product. You know, I went to a show one time uh, <laughs> with a friend because his friend was teching for uh, for Jared Leto. And it was like this, this, uh, the 30 seconds to Mars Lincoln park tour. And I show up, I'm wearing bright yellow and all these fans are in black. And I was like, this is going to be such an interesting day. And, um, <laughs> at the end of the 30 minute, 30 seconds to, to Mars set, Jared Leto comes out. He had just won his Oscar and, uh, Anybody that bought a, a CD, he, he signed signed the CD and took a selfie with them. And I'm thinking, I'm like, damn, if this dude's out here like that, and I know they're an independent, well, I, I think they have a new label now, but I know they had made that uh, transition into coming back. And people would be like, oh, well, that's Jared Leto and blah, blah, blah. It's like, in music, it ain't the same. Like, if your music sucks and you're like the best actor, people are not going to listen to music just because of that. Like, you know, there are, he has legitimate fans that are out there, you know, waiting for him. And it was just beautiful to see him having gone through all that positive stuff. 
that he had just gone through still out there at the merch booth like us, you know, and it, it really gave me a, a bit of perspective that I definitely probably wouldn't have had had I not seen that. Well, either way, it's it's putting in a lot of serious work. Oh, so I got nothing um, res- but respect for that. Anytime <laughs> anybody's willing to do that, you know, contacts going crazy. Yes. Oh, are you all good? <laughs> yes. You just my had a con- my in contact my contact lenses are dry, and I was just like, I can see. I'm not ready to transition to the glasses for the day just yet. Um. So if you go out to merch, and do that for an hour or so, and uh-huh. then you come back, what do you like to do? Do you chill? Is there a particular thing? Like for me, immediately after I get off stage, I get down to my undies, I clean up, like. Because I'm so hot and sweaty, and yeah. then I eat. I have to eat immediately. Um, that's me. Do you, is there um, anything that you like to have after the show, or any sort of drink, or anything? If I can have the food there for when I want, like it, I'm not like I have to eat immediately, but I'm definitely gonna want to eat something before the night is over. So, yeah. like if it's around, like that would be great. A lot of venues try to feed you before. I that's it's, it's a bit too much for that's me. True. Like an appetizer yeah. before. Ew. Yes. Um, and God, God bless those venues that will like send you the food, like right after you get off stage. Oh my God. But, uh, (laughs) but, um, yeah, like I, I usually have to like change clothes, but I've learned a lot of our fans will get mad if I change clothes because I I wear a lot of sequin and crazy stuff. But I'm like, I've also learned that if I show up to the merch table with my stage clothes on, somebody going to spill some shit on me. Somebody going to step, step on something. So I've I've gotten better at like washing my face, redoing my contacts, putting light makeup on if I really want to do that and um, gotcha. making myself a little bit presentable for these photos because they will tag your ass um, in everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. um, this, I've just been trying to, you know, make, make it fun for myself to go back to merch. But um, and I, and I say fun for myself in that, like, sometimes you really just want to chill when you come off stage, but for you real. know, like all of this is part of the job and it's, and it's an enjoyable job if you allow it to be that, but the work part of it still has to exist and the appreciation and the, you know, the, uh, the application of my presence in every place that I need to put it at is, is a big part of that. Yeah, that's legit. Man, I'm missing tour now. How Aww. long has it been since your last tour? I was supposed to go back out uh, when this bitch first started. Um, I had, <laughs> So my last tour was in uh, February. We were opening for Big Frida and just... <laughs> I was like, this is the best, this is the best thing ever. I was like, I'm going to lose so yeah, much weight because we'd get off stage and we'd just. Just the dancing, <laughs> the amount of aerobic dancing that's going on. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Just nonstop, nonstop energy. And I feel like opening for her crowds, we, um, we took it up a notch. Like we, we had to, we had to bring the BPM up and I'm the type of person where the moment I know who it is we're opening for, I'm going to change the whole set. I'll change the whole, I don't care what we played the whole tour, you know? And like, I know that drives some people crazy, but it's like, I have to show the range. If I have 45 minutes, I have to show the range. I have to show the energy. I have to show the love and I have to show the connection. And I say, I I said, but you know, it's a, we, it's a, it's all of us. But you know, my band has, has gotten to a point now where they know that if I'm changing anything up like that during the show, it's, 
literally meant to be fun. It's not to like embarrass anybody, but I will pull some like we we about to bust some improv out because we can. We have three thirty seconds. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Every band that's taking advantage of a good support slot is always shaping the set to harvest as many fans as possible. That's literally the main purpose of being support and choosing to be support for somebody. You're trying to harvest all their fans to become yours. So. Yeah. yeah. See, you understand it, though. Um, a lot of folks don't understand it um, or, you know, and <laughs> it, it's one of those things where we've had to also understand that because we go so hard, especially if we're opening up for somebody that we are a huge fan of, um, we want to make sure that we are not only harvesting your fans, but we want you to fucking put on the show that you, like, like that you could put on. Like, it's just different when the crowd is hype, you know, like it's just, different and so it's like if my job is getting the crowd hype for you like my pleasure like fuck yeah like let's do this shit and you know if if i have the opportunity to 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 collaborate with whoever we're on tour with or vice versa like that that just makes the experience even more special however you know having that opportunity to just get out there and show who we are because frida didn't know who we were you know like we have the same management company and it's and it's been a growing relationship over the, the last few years, but it's like this was a, our first real experience getting a to tour together. And I'd had a, a few people kind of like, "Yo, if her fans aren't into what you're doing, like, don't take it personally. Like, they can be like pretty intense." And our fans got along great. <laughs> Everybody was just there to party and like to dance yeah. and to have a good time. And you know, yes, we have some music that uh, can be a bit slower, but it's like again like i i aim to entertain and my band is capable of you know for performing at a jazz fest cool if we're at afropunk cool for with frida cool like we ready <laughs> so we, we yeah, you're going you're going through so many of the same things that we did in rx and it's so beneficial still when you're supporting someone and their audience hates you and they're like leaning on the barricade looking at each other going one of these guys going to stop playing so many notes on the guitar we want to see the band we want to see that stuff really it's really good for you to teach you to still perform your show we've been there put up that wall where you're not taking in that bad energy you know oh yeah or that one corporate gig where they're just kind of staring at you and talking over you and wondering why you're there but it's yeah (laughs) but you know what well what's the line ain't nobody tripping because the money's already made so like when i'm having my worst day that's what I tell myself. I've already been paid or my shit's already signed backstage. All I got to do is finish this. Um, but nah, it's the it's the best job in the world, even though it'd be pissing me off all the time. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for the opportunity to do it. And I'm I am grateful for where I'm at right now, knowing like I feel like I'm just getting started when a lot of the folks that I, I I was talking to one of our we've been working with so many different writers on this record I was talking to one of the writers that um we did one of the songs with who by the way I'd been trying to get the sufferers to do this song for almost five years so I'm very excited for y'all to hear this song on the record when it finally comes out but um we were talking about how Every, everything is a process and, and everything um, happens for, for a reason, be it uh, 
the lesson or, or, or growing from it. And the year that I met you guys at South by, it was like y'all in Portugal, the man at the same time. And, um, this group called the very best, uh, I was also performing with outside of my band at the time. And it's crazy because, this group, the the folks from the very best, they ended up doing a bunch of collaborations with Vampire Weekend and Santa Gold and um, Ben from The Exit. And it was just like this whole like small world of stuff. And, you know, to, to finally get to a place where, oh man, I'm not just background singing. Oh man, I'm not just whatever. I'm actually collaborating with these artists. You know, it, it was such a career just milestone for me because you know that was that was my first my first solo south by um but i think i was like 22 or 21 (laughs) so 2007 yeah oh my gosh i was 20 i was 20 and said you were like uh are you guys our expandants? We're like, yeah. You're like, and then we just started talking because you were so outgoing, you know? And I was making a song with Matt's brother, David, not even knowing they were brothers. Oh, really? I didn't know about that. David found me on MySpace. David found me on MySpace. And that's how y'all ended up at my show because he was like, y'all need to come to the show. But it's crazy because now 10 years later, David and I just dropped a song with um, Keith. And it's... But the funny thing is, is that I hadn't met Keith in real life, but I had seen Good Old War when they opened for y'all, and y'all came through Houston. So I was like, oh, that's it's just so crazy to me how small the world is. And David had reached out to me just randomly. He's like, oh, I I love your voice. I'm going to be at South by, and I'm like, yeah. uh, (laughs) I think the message was something like, yeah, I'm going to be at South by too. I'm trying to go see this band. He said, what's the band? Uh, I said, well, RX Bandits, but I think they finished like right before I do. But I heard they added another another show. And he's like, that's my brother's band. And I was like, what? And so, you know, in the early MySpace days, it's not like now. I feel like the internet connects us so much deeper now. But like yeah. uh, for him to have found me on MySpace a week before all of that shit was happening, um, it's just so bizarre because it was like, oh, yeah, the whole week. I was like, I, I think we'll be able to make this work. And, and it just happened naturally. Quite serendipitous indeed. That's really cool. Well, I'm I'm obviously very happy that we met and that we're, I can call you an old friend now. Yes, and yes. Honestly, um, I know The Sufferers isn't the first thing you've done, but to watch the strong ass start that you guys have had and just to watch your power as a musician and somebody navigating the music industry, it's been really impressive. And I knew it was just a matter of time for you straight up. Thank you so much. Thank you. I I really appreciate, I really appreciate you so much because this shit's hard, but it's, it's, I feel like it's all worth it. So. Oh, it's worth it. Especially like, you know, I wanted to ask you, you've done so many sort of like bucket list performances that so many musicians would in their mind not having gotten to do them would be like if I ever got to do that it would be the hugest (laughs) things like everything from audio tree to tiny desk to Mm -hmm. letterman um and I know that 
those things oftentimes are way more stressful and chaotic really than they seem that and they oftentimes outweigh the prestige of the actual thing itself but um do you have like a particular favorite one of those types of things that you've done letterman (laughs) sorry there's no competition (laughs) legit (laughs) seriously how did you not grateful for every everything that we've been able to do over the last almost 10 years i'm so grateful but uh playing letterman was it was just incomparable and maybe because it was the first big late night maybe because it was him i don't know um I damn near passed out when when we got all when we got done. You went uh, so ham <laughs> that set. I was just like, "Oh my god!" I, and <laughs> the the funniest part to me of all of all of that was that we get done, and he says, "If you can't do this, get out of the business." And Straight the up, only yep. person, the only other person in my band that heard him because I was on in ears with his mic feet in my ear was my drummer. So nobody else heard him say that until they saw the rebroadcast. So no one understood why me and Nick were crying like after the show. And then like when we watched it again on TV, everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I'm like, don't think we're just that soft. OK, fuck you guys. But <laughs> but um, it was it was a. Uh, it was a moment of validation for, you know, a bunch of fucking ska nerds that got told they'd never leave Texas. And so um, to 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 go that that far so quickly, um, it was a really, really beautiful experience. It was also uh, a very eye opening experience where I really got to see who was here for me and who really wasn't here for me, who was taking advantage of me, who was just trying to be around me to get whatever. Um, and you know, since then we have been on this roller coaster, you know, the, the record that we released after that, um, it didn't perform as well as our first record. However, you know, as we focus on these new songs and this new record, it's already like night and day compared to the last release um, and feeling more comparable to that first release as far as how people are, are responding to everything. But I think it's just sheer honesty and probably the fact that we're being a little bit more positive. I'd say our second record was also a much darker record. Um you know, it happened. We recorded it after 2016, and the world hasn't been that great since 2016. <laughs> Especially <laughs> in America, yeah. Sorry, but yeah. Hold up. <laughs> it's all good. Take a sip of the beverage. Yes, right? Yeah. Um, no, especially in America. And you have to grow, you have to talk about that real shit you have to talk about real relationships real things that are affecting you and it's not always happy go lucky all the fucking time and so you know people are are coming to suffer shows or listening to our our music and they're expecting us to be this super polished um vintage modern uh reprisal of something you you what i I don't fucking know or care (laughs) no we are out here really just trying to make some good music and to connect with people and to hopefully uh get to perform these songs for you guys again soon outside of the internet i gotta say something though um 
you are those things <laughs> that you、modern. just said. Yes, but <laughs> those people that are like expecting that and saying that, fuck them because you're also way more than that. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody who's、mm-hmm. trying to limit you to that. And, you know, there's always going to be the people in the music industry and the music fans where that's the scope of what they can comprehend. So that's why they do it. That's why、oh, yeah. they write things like that. It's like it took me a long time、piece. to understand. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's an old piece on RX and Alternative Press, and it was written by somebody who used to work there. And I know he didn't have any ill intent, but he called us the Mars Volska. And it's still one of the most demeaning and、uh, one of the things that I hate the most that's ever been written about us because of the way it marginalizes us. And I'm over it. It's not like I chew on it at night, but it, it just made me understand、Mars、that、Bulls. we can't expect、Gah. everybody to understand all the nuances of what we're going for. And that's just the, the sadness as, as part of what we do. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would definitely. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's so. I understand what, what they were trying to do there. So do I. And, it was I, and, I, and I'm sure they meant it in, in a nice, a nice yeah. way. But yeah, as, as, a, as a consumer of, of your work,、uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it's pretty limiting.、Um, and yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, that would, that, would,、okay. that, would, that would send me down a how did we get here? But, you know. You make、Those、one record with your friends, one, 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 one pickup pick guitar, they're going to call、yeah. you Scott till you die. Till you die. Till you die, you rock steady Freddy. That's what they're going to call you. <laughs> Jesus. It's cool. People can only handle so much. And I think a lot of people aren't comfortable with admitting to themselves that what they're willing to enjoy and their understanding of it、yeah. gets kind of. Solidified at one point and it's、mm-hmm. immovable, you know.、And、you also have to be careful because they might say you abandoned them, you abandoned Scar. And, and you know what? Our band and my music has always left no space for those people to keep hitching a ride because everything we do next, everything I do next is just like, oh, I really don't like that. And it's great. It's like shedding skin every time. Like RX's second record was the same deal. There was this like fast food like record label we were dealing with at that time. And they heard And the Battle Begun and they were like, nah, this sounds terrible. These songs are arduous and they really、what? didn't like it. They didn't want to put it out. But luckily, Uh, amongst people who like our music, it's become one of the most popular records. And Kathy and Sergeant House was formed, come along, and it, there's that whole story or whatever. But it, the reason I bring that up is that the second record thing, that second record struggle, it's been so in, instrumental in, in the trajectory that our band has taken. And I think you're experiencing the same enriching lessons from it as well, you know? <laughs> I had to look up on my phone because I, you know. Anyone that's listening, I'll say that I'm super, super biased. RX Bandits stand, so there will be absolutely no slander、uh, on my watch. And I'm like, the first and the second record, you know, the, these are the two records. They can't see this, but these are the two records that live on my phone digitally. And、oh, <laughs> uh, the Resignation and the Battle Begun, and the Battle Begun is specifically.、Um, I think just made me a better writer. And that's really funny to me because people are just so terrified of anything that is different.、Um, and the reason I feel as though In the Battle Begun made me a better writer
Um, not as far as arrangements, even though I know y'all killed it there. But it just it was just honest. I was like, man, they, these boys really talking about some, some trauma in this bitch, but at a high BPM. I hope somebody's <laughs> listening. But <laughs> yeah, so fast, so fast. Yeah. <laughs> but such it was, a high it, BPM. I know, right? But 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 uh, more more than that, I loved I loved the space. I loved the experimentation. I loved that it you know it was y'all, and and that to me is very definitive of what makes a real artist. And I think not uh, <laughs> not listening to the label was probably the best thing y'all ever did. Because. LOL to that. That's it's all I have to say. the only thing we ever knew how to do, though, for better <laughs> and for worse. <laughs> you know what no, I mean? we're not going to do it. We've definitely shot ourselves in the foot before, so. Oh, with the label? <laughs> well, just with how we dealt with business, just because uh, it was a luxury at the time where the music business was still, quote unquote, thriving, meaning that exploitive uh, structure that gave us some money still existed. So we were we kind of just viewed it as like we it was forced upon us and we're so talented that we're lucky that or that it's kind of lucky to interact with us or that's yeah. the attitude i had at least as a young kid but then i it's realize funny. now i'm just like grateful for everything that we've been able to experience good and bad so yeah, yeah definitely this is this is all a ride this is i know that for all the ups and downs that we've been able that we've been able to push through and and go through together um there are so many artists that never make it out of the city that never leave the country that never leave the state. And, uh, the, the fact that we've gotten to do it so many times now and, um, with music that we wrote, (laughs) like, and I, I just, I still can't believe it sometimes. And, um, I, I I realize like, damn, you know, it's, it's so easy to kind of like, swim in the negative sometimes but it's like damn we we out here we out here you know you you yeah. anytime someone mentions any of the late night stuff that we've done you know it was it was a few years ago but it was like damn you know we we got to do that and like no one will ever be able to take that from us and it's something yeah. that like allows us to keep doing this and and it makes it so much easier for us to keep doing this every day yeah i agree with that completely um it's all now as I get older, I, I hate using the word gratitude because it's overused, but man, just being appreciative of everything I've gotten to experience, like it's it's an overwhelming theme in my life and it's the only way for me to really stay happy is to be appreciative. So, you know, like I, I love like that you though. Do, you know? I love that. I think that <laughs> more people should be like that. Um, because the world's just a, little, a a bit of a mess right now, but I, I think that gratitude is something that we can all do a better job of. Yeah, it's been part of my recovery uh, as a recovered hater, you know. <laughs> so uh, I had to go to hater recovery, and uh, aside from other things that I've needed to sort out, uh, of which are plentiful about myself and my life, uh, becoming a recovered hater was one of the more important developments that I've made. That is and it's, hilarious. Yeah. I love that you that you say it like that because so many people don't realize that they be out here hating in these streets when it's like, look, it's baby. It's a sickness. Look, baby. It's an addiction. <laughs> Sh- shitting on stuff. 
it just yeah like your inner voice and your view of yourself is just so critical and so negative that you can't help but just flip nah. it outward and you don't know by default that you're interacting with the world like that you know and i know there's a lot of people like that and there they don't are, mean to be dicks there they're are, just miserable there are there are and and you know i'm glad that you said that they don't mean to be dicks um, because there, there are a lot of us that go through these phases where sometimes we have to be checked, but we might not have the people around us to hold us accountable. Uh, especially if we're not seeing like shit, I got some changes that I need to make on my, my own. Um, but you know, it's something that we all work on. I know that I have my moments where I can just be a raging bitch, especially if I haven't <laughs> eaten anything, but you know, I know that at the end of the day, I'm a good person. And I'm always exactly. working on being a better person. And, exactly. you know, <laughs> like I, I understand like my day, my day will probably be much better if I keep protein on me at all times. But, you know, I, these too. are things I had to learn <laughs> about myself. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. And, you know, once we finally do that, when before we're self-aware, we're afraid of that because we're afraid of the vulnerability. But then once we learn that and we accept the vulnerability, we really enjoy the freedom and the happiness that it affords us. You know, it, there's so much more freedom in it. Yeah, that's up. that's why having that writer fulfilled before y'all show up is so important. That little, that little cheese and crackers might save the whole sound check, man. Straight up. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm exactly the same. That meat plate saved us. <laughs> and the spoiled broccoli too. But... <laughs> Yeah, even those nasty little baby carrots have come oh through my clutch gosh. sometimes. Oh, <laughs> uh, the the baby carrots I don't mind so much. It's the broccoli that stinks up the whole green room before you've even gotten into it. It's like, <laughs> okay, it's one thing to 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 bring the spoiled veggie plate, and this sounds very privileged to anyone that hasn't gotten to even have anything That's backstage true. yet. And I understand that, but you know what? I'm not asking for like you know, individualized broccoli florets or something. It's just, <laughs> it, it, it just always cracks me up because it's a few times a year where you get the funky broccoli veggie plate. Oh yeah. When you're in the South and they put a Kroger veggie tray prepackaged, <laughs> like, and it's been sitting at that cool 79 degrees backstage, like for six hours before you even open it, it's not going to be good. Oh it's my gosh. Good. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, that's, that's honestly the best way. Um, to put it really, <laughs> oh my gosh, no, sorry. <laughs> my dog is, is out here just being too wild right now. <laughs> it's all good. We've been going for a while. I think that's a good place to wrap it up because you're somebody I could talk with for, as you yes. know, we've talked for many hours. Oh and, uh, no, thank you so much for having me. I hope to have you on the show me. again at some point. So thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate you, Kim. No, thank you for having me. Congratulations. I think this is cool. And, you know, I'm, I, I love that you're just giving folks a new way to keep up with you and your non-hater ass ways. <laughs> well, I just really started appreciating all the wonderful, talented people I knew and these kind of conversations that we were having. And I thought that other people might like to hear them, too. So that's the whole deal, you know. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'll send this to you as soon as I...
Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.